much love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. would wait as we constantly roam what father so tender is calling us home he welcomes the weakest the vilest the poor our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the sins they are many his mercy is more what riches of kindness he lavished on us his blood was the payment his life was the cost we stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than dark. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins, they our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is Amen. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. If we lose sight of that, that thought of how merciful God is, it gets really easy to neglect the Lord. 
That was a good mess, a good special, and it spoke to my heart. Well, the staff's away. They're in the Dominican Republic. They'll be back um, late Wednesday night. They won't be here for service, uh, but they will be here uh, Thursday. So um, if you need them, wait till Friday. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure they'll visit with their families. I'm not sure what they'll be doing. Um, but uh, I, I look forward to when the staff goes out of town at times because I get to preach. And I, I love getting to stand up here and preach. Um, it, didn't grow up going to church. But I'm thankful for God that allows me to be here. And we need to remember that, not just as, not just because I'm called to preach, but we need to remember that as Christians, that we have the opportunity to meet here with God. Every, every service, every time we open our Bibles, we have something to be grateful and thankful for. Uh, Brother Josh's message from Wednesday is really just stuck in my heart and mind. And at the time, it didn't seem super profound, but I just kept mauling over it. And the Lord just kept working on it throughout the week of how much we've escaped and if you missed Wednesday night, that you missed a good message. Um, it, it was good. And if you don't come to Wednesday night services just because you're busy, I, I encourage you, make, make time to be here in God's house on Wednesdays and Sunday nights as well. Um, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn over to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Well-known passage today, nothing new, nothing out of the ordinary. Just something simple this morning is what I have for us. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. <clears throat> the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity you give to us just to come to church and, and, and worship your name through song, to lift you up, Lord. Father, we're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're not here so we can be front and center and be important, Lord. We're here to simply worship you, and, and we want to hear from you this morning. And so, Father, I pray that as uh, the, your word is opened and as the scripture is expounded upon, that you would speak to our hearts and you'd speak to my heart. Lord, you've already laid this message on my heart, but I pray that you'd continue to work in. Father, I know that I'll never get to a place where I have learned it all, and so I, I need you this morning. I pray that you'd be with me, be with every listening ear, Lord, and that we would just be able to meet with you. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our passage this morning, we have King Solomon. Now, he's the main author of the book of Proverbs, and King Solomon was the wisest king to have ever lived. You go through scripture, you find that Solomon is the son of King David, the man that basically the line of Jesus Christ would come through is David. It was promised to him. So we have Solomon now, and he is promised that he'll be the wisest king there is. In 1 Kings chapter 3, if you'll turn there, we learn a little bit about that. I'm not just making up facts. It's not fake news. Solomon, according to the Bible, is the wisest king to have lived to that date, and so on. There's never been a king like him before, and there'll never be a king like him after. 1 Kings chapter 3, 
1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, the Bible says, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. That's not a good thing. He worshipped idols, essentially, is what the Bible is saying there. Yet he loved the Lord. The Bible is clear about that. And it goes on to say in verse 4, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast shewed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in, and thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked um, riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee. Neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my statutes to keep my, if thou wilt walk in my ways and to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then will I lengthen thy days. Here we see a conversation taking place between God and Solomon. We see Solomon's already not doing the right thing, and yet God extends mercy to him and says to him, ask what you want of me, and I will give it you. God comes to me in a, a vision. I'm probably going to ask for a new car, nice house. Probably going to ask for maybe help losing some weight. You know, I eat food and it's negative calories, whatever I got to do. I'm probably not going to ask for wisdom. I mean, think about it for a minute. The, the creator of the universe comes to Solomon and asks, gives him the opportunity to ask whatever he wants. And Solomon asks for wisdom to lead God's people. Solomon loved the Lord. He may not have always done the right thing, but he loved the Lord. And he wanted to lead God's people. And so God blessed him. He said, your heart is to serve my people, to be, to be the best leader you can, so I'm going to give that to you. And because you didn't ask for riches and honor, I'm going to give you that as well. Solomon would go on to be the wealthiest king, the wisest and wealthiest king. Now that can tend to cause problems. We know through the book of Ecclesiastes that Solomon didn't live a perfect, sinless life. He was no saint by any stretch of the imagination. He, 
He at one point had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a, that's a lot of wives. Okay? That, I'm happy with the one I got. Okay? That's enough for me. Okay? Not only that, but he'd have all those wives. He'd probably have a bunch of children as well. That's the, the point of marrying. And for, and for his point, he was to marry to make league with other nations. So he's making league with other nations, favoring deals, whatever he needs to do. Again, it might be a good idea for a, a, the business side of things, but scripturally he disobeyed God. <coughs> Turn over to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Solomon tells us a little bit about the life that he lived. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. The Bible says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. This is Solomon talking. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under the heaven. He gave his heart to seek out everything that happens on earth. He wanted to know anything and everything he could. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. He gave his heart to know madness and folly, he says. That's not a good thing. He said, I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. He said, I learned all these things, and all I learned was I gained more sorrow. That's all I learned. For chapter 2, he continues on. I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. He said, I gave myself over to pleasure so that I can experience all the things life has to offer. I sought in mine heart to give unto myself, to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the, under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees and them of all kind of fruits. <coughs> Excuse me. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all, they, all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. So that wisdom God gave him remained with him. He did all these things and he still had God's wisdom. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. He Everything he thought of in his heart, he went after. 
every single thing. That's not, that's not a good thing. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our heart's wicked and deceitful. And Solomon gave in to every desire he had. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, verse 10, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Solomon's at, towards the end of his life here when he's writing in Ecclesiastes, and he says, I've done it all. Literally, I've done everything there is to do. Everything your heart desires, I've done. And it was a waste. There's no profit under the sun. He's saying, there's no profit in living for the world. Because it's all going to pass away. There's no profit in all of these things. I wasted my life giving myself over to these things. Yes, I still had God's wisdom. And yet I gave myself, I gave myself to folly and madness. He was richer beyond our wildest dreams, more than we can even imagine. He had, he had people singing to him. One man. I don't have a choir coming to sing to me at night. I don't have trees and orchards. I don't have fruit of every kind in my backyard. I haven't given myself over to wine. He was rich beyond his wildest imaginations. And yet, what Solomon has to say is, you can chase after the world, and it's worth nothing. None of it mattered. In the end, none of it matters. That's what I learned. And that's what Solomon's trying to tell his son in Proverbs chapter 3. He says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. He says, give yourself to God because I gave myself to everything else and it was a waste. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Back in our passage, Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear God. I was quoting it. I heard the Holy Spirit for a minute, but I, I missed it. Anyway, point number one, the lesson that he had for his son was to trust in the Lord. He said, I've done everything else. I've put my trust in other things. What you need to do, son, is trust in the Lord. You need to trust in God. Trust means, Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines trust as confidence, of reliance or resting of the mind on integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principle of another person. So we need to rely upon God. Very simply put. To trust in the Lord is to rely upon God. Solomon looked to God to look to the world, I'm sorry. He looked to the world to fill every desire he had when he should have looked to God. As a child, when, when we would get scared, we would trust in our parents to keep us safe. Something falls in our closet in the middle of the night, scares you, you have no idea what it is. And you go run into your parents' room. Why? 
because you trust them to keep you safe, right? And as Christians, as those that are born again, we get to trust God. He is our Heavenly Father that we get to run to when things are going bad. When things aren't going quite like how we think they should, we get to run to God because He's our, our Father. He's our Heavenly Father. I can't stress that to us enough. If I had to have an issue, I'm probably going to go to my parents about it. I might get their advice on it. I might see what they have to say. Because I don't know everything. But they've lived life. They've experienced a few things. So I'm going to go to them. Right? So then we should trust in God. Because he's our Heavenly Father. We need to trust in the Lord. So Solomon tells his son, Son, you need to trust in the Lord. And not only does he say to trust in the Lord, he goes a step further and says, with all thine heart. It's not just trust him and go to him with your problems and see what he does. It's give him everything. It's trusting him with no reservation in your heart. No doubts in your heart. Because God's our heavenly father. But he's also the creator of the universe. He created all things. He's all powerful. He can do anything he needs to. And Solomon knew that. Solomon gave him riches and wisdom beyond his wildest imaginations. God's the one that blessed him. God said, I'll give you riches and honor. And that's what Solomon got. Solomon knew that God could meet his needs. Solomon knew that God could do whatever he needed done. So Solomon hears from, tells his son, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. The word used in Hebrew for heart in our passage is the word leb, which is also used figuratively for feelings, the will, and intellect. Webster's 1828 dictionary defines it as the chief part, the vital part. So with all of our life, all of our being, we need to trust God. Nothing held back. To have absolute trust means that we have no doubts at all. They say when you invest, not put all your eggs in one basket. You don't want to invest everything in Bitcoin because it might fall out. You don't want to put all of your money into one stock because it may tank. It may not do well. So you like to diversify. You know, I might invest in, let's see, I might invest in uh, Cedar Fair, you know, Cedar Point. Pretty lucrative business, you know. People go there all the time. I might invest in a bank. I might invest in gold. I might buy some CDs. You know, I'm spreading the money out just so that I can guarantee myself a little bit of a return. But God says, with me, you don't do that. You put all of your trust into me. That's the basket we can put all of our eggs in. Because he's God. We've already talked about it. He's the creator of the universe. He has all power. We can trust in God alone to meet our every single need. And I don't know what your need is today. I really don't. But God does. And right now as I'm speaking, he's bringing that need to your mind. And saying, you need to bring this to me. Not me, the, the, the preacher right now, but to God at this altar when we have time. He's saying, that need, you need to give over to me. Okay, so your bills are tight. Bring the need to me. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. That's scripture. That's not me just saying that. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. 
God can meet that need. Say, no, I, I don't think God can. He can. Walk outside and see all of creation. That's God's power. I was talking about it with my Sunday school class today, that the heavens declare the glory of God. They show his power. They show how powerful God is. And that's the person we get to go to for our problems. That's the person we get to trust in as Christians with all of our problems. Is God, the creator of the universe, the almighty, the all-powerful. He is God and he's our God. Are you trusting him with all your heart? Have you given every bit of it over to him? Sometimes we have to put ourselves in a spot where all we can do is depend upon God. Or rather, sometimes God puts us in that spot because we're too prideful and we say to ourselves, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to fix this. I put myself in this mess, so I'm going to do this. The entire time all you're saying is I, I, I. When God says, turn to me, he can help us through it all. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. It goes on to say, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Lean not unto thine own understanding. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Every man thinks he knows what's right. You can ask any man in this room the best way to do any job. Ask man the best way to make a chili. He'll tell you his opinion, and he thinks there's a right way, his way. As simple as that. My way is the best way. Ask a man how to get to heaven. You go out door knocking. You know how for sure you're on your way to heaven? Yeah, I, I know that. How do you do that? I'm a good person. They, people think that if, if I live a good enough life, I can earn my way to heaven. That's not right. But that's right to them. They think that that's right. But just because they think it is doesn't mean it's true. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That fact doesn't change just because I think it's right. Well, that's, that's my truth. Your truth? Truth is truth, okay? Fact is fact. It's an absolute. You can't decide for yourself what's fact. That's called fake news. Right? Truth is truth. So, we need to lean not under our, our own understanding. We can't lean on what we think is best. For example, we just came off our missions conference. And God says to you, you know, I know you gave this amount last year. I want you to give a little more. You say, God, I'm already tapped out. What are you talking about? I can't give more. I'm already struggling to meet the bills I have. What do you mean give more? God said, give more. See, the thing is, God knows what we can and can't handle. He's all-powerful, right? We said that. He's also all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to take place. God may know something you don't. So if God says that you need to give $10 more a week, then you need to do it. 
Because God may know that you may get a raise. God may know that you may get fired from your job and end up with a better paying job. God may know those things. Do we know those things? No. If I knew I was going to get fired and need a new job, I probably wouldn't give as much. I'd probably tighten my belt on a few things, right? If I knew I was going to lose my job, because you don't know what's coming. But God does. So God comes to you and says, you need to give more than you did last year. He lays that number on your heart. I'm not talking about breaking the bank here. I'm talking about God will tell you reasonably what you can and can't do. He'll tell you to give that. And now it's up to us to be obedient to him and not lean on our own understanding. Well, God, I've looked at the finances and between the phone bill, the car payment, the rent, I just can't give more. I've looked at it all, God, and I, I can't do more. But God says, you need to trust me, right? With all of our heart. God tells you to do something, we got to do it. That's trusting in God. That's putting our trust in what he's told you to do. We have to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into our own understanding. He goes on to say, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all of our ways. Webster's 18.28 defines acknowledge as to own or notice in particular regard. To own or notice in particular regard. Notice in particular regard. Okay, so I'm supposed to notice God and regard him for who he is. Right? That's what the verse is saying. I'm supposed to recognize God for who and what he is. Okay, let's continue on with our illustration. God says I'm supposed to give more, then that means I have to recognize that God is an all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God, and he knows what's best for me. I have to recognize him for who he is. So then I have to be obedient. He's also perfect, and because he's perfect, that means he can't do us wrong. He, he's only just towards us. He can only do that which is best for us by his very nature. So I have to acknowledge who and what God is. I have to turn to God and say, God, I know that you know how I'm going to get out of this. I have no idea. I've sunk myself up to here in bills, and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this financial problem, and you want me to give more. I'm just going to have to trust you with it, Lord. And so you do. You say, all right, Lord, I'll trust you. You start giving few months down the road, God gives you a raise. God meets the need. God can meet our needs. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God can meet all of our needs? I don't think we do. When it gets down to it, we like to do things for ourselves. We're men. We do things and we get it done because that's our job. Or my husband will do it if you're a lady. He'll take care of everything. What about God? Who are you relying upon? Are you relying on, your, relying on yourself to meet your needs? Or are you relying on God? I, I, I could tell you all the times that I've been in need and God's met it. I remember before I went off to Bible college, 
six years ago now. I was a little short on money to go. I prayed to God for $500. Because I needed it. I needed it so I could eat, so I could have things that I needed while I got to college, so I could finish paying the school bill. I had to pay for a flight, and I didn't plan on that. I had to pay for luggage to be shipped. I went to Oklahoma City. Those aren't cheap flights. One-way trips, like $225. It was expensive. I didn't make a lot of money. So I prayed to God. I went to him, and I said, God, I, you've told me to go. I need to go. This is the time. I know it is. I, I need $500, Lord. I, I need you to just provide that to me. Last Wednesday before I leave, I have a couple people hand me money. Not just one person, a couple people hand me money. Somebody gave me a 50 here, somebody gave me a 100 here, somebody gave me 20 bucks. I ended up leaving with an extra $553. God gave me more than I asked for. He met my need. He took care of me. God can do that for us if we believe that he'll meet our needs, if we put our faith and trust in him. He can do that. You know, I found out later, my mom was praying the same thing. We never spoke of it. I never told her I was praying for that money. Never told her I needed it. Whole time, yeah, mom, I'm good, we're good. I'll be going, that's the end of it. I got everything I need. Never told her. And yet she turns around, she's praying to God that I can get a little extra to help me. Specifically that amount. People get together and start praying for a need. God will answer our prayers. He'll answer our prayers. He will. It's just the truth of the matter. If we're doing what God wants us to do, we're trying to accomplish His goals, He's going to answer our prayers. He'll meet our needs. I'm not saying he's going to meet every want you have. That's not what I'm saying. Because Solomon wanted a lot of things and he got it. But I'm going to tell you, he got everything he wanted so that he could stand here in the word of God and say it was all a waste. That's why God allowed him to have it. So that he could give testimony and say, living your life for the world's not worth it. Giving yourself over to money is not worth it. I had all the wealth in the world, and yet I was still empty and alone without God. It didn't mean anything without God. That's, that's what Solomon learned. And that's what he's teaching to his son. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. See, when we start acknowledging God, he starts to direct our paths which means my wants become his wants. What God wants for me becomes what I want for myself. I want what God wants for me. And if I want what God wants for me, then when I have a need, God's going to listen. He's going to meet the need. Amen. Scripture says that, that God clothes the, the lilies in the valley. He cares about the sparrow getting food. How much more will he not give his children a piece of bread when they ask for it? Right? God's going to meet our needs. I'm not sharing anything profound, anything super mind-blowing. I'm just trying to keep it simple and practical. Because I think we fail at the simple and practical. 
We try to overcomplicate things. Well, if I serve God, maybe he'll bless me. No, God will only give you what you ask him for. God will only meet the need when you go to him and put your trust in him. You can't outserve God. You say, well, I, I want God to better my life, so I'm going to get involved in the Sunday school ministry, and I'm going to jump on the bus, I'm going to join the choir, I'm going to help in the nursery if you're a lady. I'm going to do everything I can <coughs> to put myself in a position for God to bless me. But you never go to him. You never sit down at his feet and ask him to meet your need. You have not because you ask not. Or you ask amiss. Meaning, you didn't acknowledge him, so he's not directing your paths. So he's not, what he wants for you is not what you want for you. You're not asking for the right things because your heart's not with him. Again, going back to trusting him with all thine heart. It's all circular. We could go on for hours about how God can meet our needs. And there's people in this room that know exactly what I'm talking about, where God has met your need, Amen. where God has provided for you when you thought you had nothing and no way out, and God met your need. And maybe it wasn't financial. It's not. It's not always financial. Sometimes you're just down and discouraged, and so you're depressed, and God sends somebody your way to encourage you. I'm going to be completely transparent, Okay? This past Thursday, I'm a little down on myself. I'm a little discouraged. Rachel and I, I've, I've annoyed her quite a bit because I'm good at that. So there's a little tension because I'm annoying. I'm discouraged. And for some reason, about 30 minutes after I'd gotten home and I was really starting to wallow in my self-pity, God sends somebody to text me and say, hey, how you doing? I was thinking about you. Just out of nowhere. I'm doing good. A lot better now. Thanks for asking. Because God knew what I needed. Sometimes you get to the point where you just feel that nobody's listening. That God's not listening. And so you pray to God and say, I don't think that you're listening. And he says, he says oh yeah? I'm listening. Here's somebody to prove it. He uses people. He can't use us so if we're not trusting him with all of our heart. You never know the impact you can have on somebody by just checking up on them and saying, how you doing? You're doing good? I was thinking about you. I could do a lot for somebody. Helped me a lot. I, I've been working, I worked mostly this week on my message for tonight. Just because that's what the Lord had given me. It was a newer message. And I was struggling with it. And I was a little discouraged. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't finish it. I finished it Friday morning because God had shown himself to me, because he met my need. Wasn't, fi wasn't financial, wasn't even physical, wasn't even like I had an ailment. I was just mentally discouraged, and God met the need. God can meet our needs. He does, he can, he will. Don't you remember what it was like before you were saved? That hole you had in your heart? that emptiness you had inside, that, that void you tried to fill. God fills that void. But then we sin against him. We grieve his Holy Spirit. We put a wedge between ourselves and him. And we stop trusting him. 
And we start saying, it's okay, it's fine, it's fine, I can do this, we'll handle this, it's fine, I got this. No, I'm fine, everything's great. All along, God's saying, just come to me. Trust in me. Put your trust in me, he says. We don't trust God like we ought to. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't trust God like we ought to. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God will direct our paths. He'll bring us into a spot where we can be a blessing to others, like that person was to me this week. If they weren't following the Lord, I'd have never gotten an encouragement. I wouldn't have. But somebody was following the Lord and said, hey, I don't know why, the Lord just laid it on my heart to ask you how you're doing. God directed their path, directed them to say something. And God will do the same for us. And every day with our relationships with one another and our work scenarios and situations, he'll guide us through everything we need if we trust in him. Verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Solomon knew the end of following your own wisdom. He knew the end of evil. And he said, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And that's what we need to do today. Because when we selfishly think, I can do it all by myself, we're going the evil way. We're not doing things God's way. We're doing things our way. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. At the end thereof are the ways of death. We can do what we think's best, but it's never going to turn out as if we did things God's way. We have to put our, our trust in God. And it, it starts with a relationship with God. If you've never been saved, you've never put your faith and trust in Christ to save you, then everything I talked about today about God meeting your needs doesn't apply to you. Because you have a big spiritual need that God has to meet first. And that's, that's your salvation. That's where you're going to spend eternity when you die. You're not a child of God. You're of your father, the devil, according to Scripture. You don't become a child of God until you receive him. And until you receive him, you're not going to be able to experience all those great benefits and blessings that we have from being children of God. So my encouragement to you today is, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, in a few moments we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to come forward and talk to one of the people up front that have a Bible. They'll be standing down here. You'll see them. And if not, I'm up here. I'll be watching. I'll direct you to them so that you can get that settled. Because that's where it starts. It starts with putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the very first step. Trust in the Lord. I glossed over it because I was going to wrap it up at the end. But that's the first step. So we have to put our faith and trust in him. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. I just want to ask if there's anybody in the room that says, you know, Brother Josh, I, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Up to this point in my life, I've done everything I can. I've done everything I can myself. I've not trusted in God. But today I acknowledge that I need to. I need to put my faith and trust in him. If that's you, I'm going to give you a moment here. The music's going to begin to play, and I'm going to have you come down to the aisle. 
just as soon as the music begins, I'm going to give you an opportunity to step out into the aisle. There will be a lady down here if you're a lady, a, a gentleman down here as well if you're a man. As the music plays, won't you come?